the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. Steve Teal, Very Bold Radio and Podcast. Excited. Of course I'm excited. I'm getting to talk to another child of the King talk about his calling, his gifts, how God has impacted so many people through this guy and is still impacting lives. And this is Tony Overman. Tony, how are you doing today? Doing fabulous, Steve. I'm I'm very honored and humbled to be able to chat with you on your new show. Or not your uh, new show, but your... Hey. It's new today, you know, we, it's new today. <laughs> it's new to somebody that's listening because I've never had you on my show. So it is a new show today and I'm excited to, to let people who may recognize and know you, um, get caught up and hear about some of the things that God is doing in your life now. And then for people who maybe have not heard of you to hear about and celebrate just some of the amazing things that you've done with the calling that God has put on your life. So, uh, man, your bio and, and I already know it's just part of your bio. So you might be filling us in on some things. I'm going to start with, instead of going back to all the impact that you've had, I want to get there, but I want to start with just some of the things that you've done real recently. You've written a book called Clearing Hurdles, One Man's Journey to Please His Father. You know, since it's fairly recent, we may wind up talking about, you know, some of those stories that you've shared in there, which is exciting, but you've also, uh, you don't seem to stop, Tony. Some people might slow <laughs> down, but it sure seems like you're not. And you've launched a, a new ministry you're launching called In Time of Needs. People, I don't know if the website is built yet or if it's... It is complete. Okay, so people can go to intimeofneeds.com. And this is a new ministry that we'll want to talk about uh, with you, Assisting Widows. And, uh, man, I just love this. And then let me back up, though, and say this, because maybe some people are like, I know I know this guy. And some people are like, ah, of course I know Tony Overman. But uh, some people may have heard you speak when they were teens. You were a motivational speaker, and you were traveling around, what, about 27 states within a time frame of five years and um, you spoke to, and that was just talking about the National Youth I Care Hotline. That's crazy. I'm a little bit over the all over the place, but hold on, people. You had over 10,000 youth per month call for help. 10,000 youth. Minimum. Minimum. That's conservative. Minimum. 
That's conservative. And along with that, you spoke to well over a million teens as a motivational speaker over the years. Man, talk to us about either one of those aspects of the ministry. This is amazing. Millions of lives impacted. Um, How did this start? What did you do? What are some of the highlights for you? You know what? I'm going to try to do elevator versions for you because my life is so expansive for what God's used me. Yeah. Um, My objective in what I've always done is to bring acknowledgement and recognition and glory to God through my life and through my experiences. And I'm going to just do a version. I was saved at 13. Yeah. I came from an abused home, very abusive home, multiple stepfathers. At 13, I was saved on the side of a riverbank in Frio, Alto Frio, uh, Texas. Uh, my sister had just been killed at age 13. Uh, I, at, at age 16, I'm sorry, I was 13. And God literally transformed my life. I was a, I was a punk. I was had a filthy mouth. I stole. I had a gang. I was a bad kid on the way to nowhere but the penitentiary or, or jail or something. Yeah. Um, he got a hold of me, and literally, I was one of those transformed guys that my friends were going, "What's wrong with you?" Because they were out yeah. drinking, getting drunk, and I just said, "No, I'm going to honor God with my life. I'm changing my. I'm changing. He's changed me." Yeah. And um, and so from that point forward, I was pretty much dedicated to go. I don't know where you're taking me, Father, but you you're going to take me somewhere, and I want it to be glory to you. And it's been a challenge, may I say. It's It wasn't all ro- easy and uh, roses along the way, as most people would say. But yeah. that inspired me to start a hotline right out of college. I, I I wanted to hurt, help other hurting teens that came from abusive homes. And so uh, over the span of 16, 17 years of being a motivational speaker, um, I, I, you know, I had the opportunity to stand. These were public schools. I had yeah. the opportunity to get off of that stage and they – there would be a line of kids and they would say, how did you get through it? And that's where I had the opportunity to share Christ. And I would say, has anybody told you about Jesus? And that's how it all got started. That is amazing. Well, back up just a little bit, just to tell us a little bit more about your testimony, if you don't mind, Tony, like, you know, uh, being in an abusive home, I mean, I know somebody is relating to that as they're hearing this story, hearing this interview. How in the world, when you were being a punk and being in a gang and doing all these things, how did God get a hold of you? This sounds like a Saul on the road to Damascus sort of thing. It was. It it really was. I mean, I didn't see a light come from heaven, and I didn't see the face of Jesus in front of my eyes. But uh, I had... (laughs) If you really want to know that what happened, yeah. my sister had been killed uh, six months earlier, and I was angry. I hated God. I blamed him for everything in my life and everything that I had back at home. And um, it was my third stepfather, and I was uh, I just didn't want anything to do with God. And I went to a camp called Alto Frio. Uh, a lot of people in San Antonio know where it is, and a lot of people stayed sure. there. I went there and got in a fight. By the way. Ah! And, and they rushed me to the hospital from the camp, and I had a big patch over my eye uh, because I got in this fight with this guy that was twice my size. And um, and I was kind of tagged at this Christian camp as the punk at the camp. And uh, and so they had this big altar, or there was a big outdoor uh, area where they were um, somebody was preaching. And I really didn't want anything to do with it, but I was struggling inside. I saw the difference in some of these kids, not all of them, but... Some of those kids, they had a real true faith. Mm. And so I got up in the dark, and I walked over to a riverbank, and I sat there. 
I had no idea, Steve, how to pray. I didn't even know what to say, how to say it. I certainly wasn't eloquent in my presentation to the Lord. Yeah. I just cried out. I was weeping and bawling alone by a riverbed. And uh, I said, God, I don't want to end up like I am right now. And all these people are telling me about this person named Jesus. Mm. I don't even know who you are, or how to get to know you, but I want to. And I, I literally was sobbing on my own. I got up from that riverbank and they had not finished. The preacher was still preaching. And I, they were about oh, 300 kids, I guess. And then I, I got up and he was and right in the middle of his sermon. I didn't know what the protocol was. Yeah. I just started walking down the aisle while everybody was, seated, everybody was staring. And the preacher was smart enough to go, uh, everybody bow your heads. Let's pray. Because he didn't know if I was going to come and shoot him or hurt him. Or- <laughs> <laughs> and I walked up to the front and I said, um, somebody help me. I want to know how to find Jesus. And that's wow. really what happened. It's it was an amazing time in my life. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. How did you even get to that camp in the first place? I was an athlete all in high school. I, I was on a full track and field scholarship in college. I ran track and the four hundred meter hurdles and and uh when I was in high school I was a known as a really good athlete. Um uh, and so these kids asked me to come and play basketball and at their church, but there was a requirement in order to play basketball. You had to go to church. I'm like, I don't want to go to church. I don't like church. I don't like God. I'm not interested in him at all. And lo and behold, that's where athletics in, 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 uh, in church and in school and FCA and things like that are amazing. And I support them immensely because athletes are usually many times leaders. And, uh, and I was a, I was a bad leader, but God turned me into a good leader, much like you use this Paul on the, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he was the leader. Yeah, there yeah. was no doubt yeah. about that. Now, I'm not comparing myself to Paul, by the way, Steve. I'm just saying much like a. Uh, hey, you may not you may not compare yourself to Paul, but I'm looking at your bio and only reading a few a few parts of your bio. I think Paul would be like, "Yeah, you can compare yourself to me." Yeah. Uh, well, I know you're not going to, but you know, you mentioned just a few moments ago. You said there's there's been challenges, and that's something that Paul would definitely relate to. Just you know, he called them sometimes light and momentary troubles, but man, when you read his bio of all the suffering and persecution that he faced and underwent, you see, man, it doesn't sound light and momentary for you. What kind of challenges when you talk about, man, you've got millions of teens that you spoke to and you've got all these youth that are calling this hotline for help. I mean, this ministry was incredibly uh, impactful. What kind of challenges are we talking about? Well, I'm probably too many for your show and the time (laughs) we have. Okay. You know, there's, there's always hurdles that you face with the world. Um, we, our objective ultimately was a, really a secret mission is that when kids would call us on the phone, that we could share Jesus Christ with them. I got letters from kids. I was, um, I wrote a poem called It's Tough to Be a Teenager. It's in Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. Oh, and, okay. And kids love that poem. And I would get letters all over the world, honestly, from kids. And I would send tracks to them and, and, and I would, uh, and I would write them each one individually. And so the schools got a hold of that and they eventually shut us down, not because of that, but um, there were other factors involved with it. But there were always challenges of trying to be a Christian ministry in a public school. And I think you know what I'm talking about with your ministry. And sure. The, you know. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, man, so 
they you were doing these great things. Your motivational talks are making a difference, but people came against you. I mean, this does sound like the Apostle Paul. I mean, hopefully they weren't throwing rocks at you, but uh, or throwing you in jail. Well, no, it's just that I it's controlled. It's a controlled environment that we had. I had a lot of people working for me that were in fourteen schools a day. Um, like we did. Also, we did a production. I don't know if you saw that, but. We did a giant multimedia production too right after that. And, uh, and I had guys who would start evangelizing in the middle of school and they would kick us out and they weren't supposed to do that. But those are just some hurdles that nobody probably wants to hear about. But it's just being faithful and, and being wise, being, you know, wise as a, as, as the, the Lord wise, these situations yeah. to. Yeah. Wise. Yeah. Yeah. Wise as a serpent, innocent as doves. Yeah. Does, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, talk to me about that before we keep heading into what you're doing these days and everything, but that multimedia sort of deal, 1993, 49 states, seven Canadian provinces on character development. That was kind of the way to get in there. Yeah. So um, again, long story short, elevator version. I was uh, traveling, speaking every week. I was gone three to four days a week, every single week. And um, I kids i had kids too and i was living out of airplanes and in hotels and i realized that i was helping a lot of other kids but losing my own and i had two teenage boys they were missing their daddy my wife and i had to come to jesus moment one time um uh and i'm not going to name i don't mean to name drop with this but uh please it's not a name drop story but i i was touring with montel williams at the time i don't know if you know who he is sure um, sure yeah yeah he and i went on tour together and he had offered me to come and do a show with him and, and really expand what I, I was doing. And it, my wife and I had to wow. come to Jesus. We sat on my back patio and it was like, okay, my personal career could really take off if I wanted to say yes and go forward with this. But I had family. I love family. I love marriage. And I love being with my children. And it was one of those things where I, it was a pivotal moment where I had to say, I either choose family and love and and a, a normal life, or I'm gone and I risk my marriage and I risk my family for the sake of, quite honestly, if I want to be honest, building up my own personal ego, which is obviously, as you know, as a, as a believer, you don't want that temptation to get into your life. But when you're in front of a lot of people, that's always there and you're always praying, Father, humble me. You know, the, the scripture says that he who exalts himself shall be humbled and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. Well, I, I always knew that verse and I never, I always walked on that line standing on a stage and having being exalted, not wanting to be exalted, but liking it at the same time. So we chose at that point in our life to turn down, uh, what we were doing. We, so we shut down the, the traveling and we started the production company and I started producing shows that went out instead of me going out. I hope that wasn't too long, Steve. No, there's there's no too long here. There's no too long. We're doing really well. I would love to hear just a little bit more about how someone today, like what kind of advice you might give when they might get pulled into that sort of stage platform where it feels good, you're helping people, and yet that pull, you know, of what your family feels. And it's so easy in ministry for anybody, whether it's a big platform like you had or a smaller platform to just, you know, lose your family along the way. What advice would you give? You know, I... I, I have a lot of I, one of my best friends um, is a head pastor here in San Antonio for a fairly large church. And 
we spend a lot of time together with each other. And uh, and I also have another friend who was a pastor, just retired. Uh, so I, I kind of got draws me into these ministers and stuff. And I think part of it is that I relate to them, yeah. uh, understanding the temptations that they have of having the spotlight on you, but yeah. always being careful not to let it be about you and your accomplishments. Cause I, I, uh, I struggled with it. I struggle with it today. Uh, Steve, I have to always ask the Lord, father, let this be about you. And may, may my, my conversation, my prayer, before I got on this show was father, may you be exalted and not all my accomplishments because that, as you know, that's very dangerous and that's not what the Lord wants. Right. He, he wants him to be exalted and glorified. So I, that I just shared the, my story, my temptation and when we're vulnerable with other people, they tend to open up and not put up a wall and go, yeah, I do struggle with that. Right. And, yeah, that's man. That's a good word. Um, that's a good word. Okay, uh, then you know I don't know exactly the transition to how you started Overman Properties, but you've been doing that for some time. I mean, this looks like if I can do the math, about twenty five years. Is that right? Yeah, it doesn't. My life never a never equals b. It seems like you know. <laughs> I I. Uh, at the same time, I've done ministry all of my life, and uh, I've also been a businessman at the same time. And my business, I guess because of the drive, but God, you know, I always look at it this way. If God didn't want it to happen, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. And so he allowed that uh, that part of my life to grow, and uh, I ended up building commercially a lot of buildings and doing a lot of things. I, I'm still involved with that. Uh and I, like a, a young man told me, asked me one time, he said, so how do you separate God in your business life? And I said, you don't, you don't. Christ is either in you or he's not in you. You know, a, a tree is known by the fruit that it bears. And you need to be bearing fruit from the moment you open your eyes to the moment you close them every night. And so you don't separate those two. So I can still be in business and I actually can reach men who are struggling the same way as they do if they're in the ministry. Um, we all are people with sin nature. And right. so he's, he's used that as a catalyst to reach other businessmen that are driven and <laughs> fall into that category. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can see how God has put that uh, drive in you. And again, uh, that sounds a lot like the apostle Paul, as does being an entrepreneur with his tent making, uh, funding his own ministry often. Uh, so I'm yeah. seeing a lot of parallels here, Tony. Um, how hard was it for you to step off of the big stage and the platform? Um, I mean, you know, what, uh, did you go through a time where you look back and gosh, you just really enjoyed that? I, I did. And now I'm of the age, Steve, it's not so hard. Cause I'm like, I'm looking in the rearview mirror, but, uh, for a while it was very hard. I, I don't know if you've, um, experienced this in your life, but having a, an auditorium of people stand up and applaud and give you accolades, um, it's, uh, it's a very dangerous uh and and yet it's a it's a very addictive thing that uh, happens to you and so it was very hard but i'm not going to say i'm i feel bad at all about about it because it was a growth period for me to to realize that uh the more you do it the more satan tempts you to want more of that and it becomes more than about you and instead of about him 
Okay. So I always look back and thank the Lord for where he, he's brought me because he's taught me things all along the way about myself, about others, and, and about what true faith really is and true love of him and take the spotlight off of me. Cause yeah, if you know anybody, and I know, you know, a lot of people, uh, you talk to anybody who's in the spotlight and privately, they will tell you that they, they struggle with that in inwardly. Mm, okay. Uh, and they, they won't all admit it, but uh, I, I know a lot of people in the spotlight and, and they, they, if they're believers, they're truly searching to walk with the Lord Jesus. Then they will say, yes, I do struggle with that. And I have to yeah. pray against it all the time. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. I was even just sharing the other day, I was speaking at our church uh, to a group of men and I was sharing uh, just even when I was in sixth grade, uh, there was a school assembly, like a rewards assembly or something, awards, excuse me. And my name got called for something. And for some reason, um, I must have had some impact on the, the students, or I don't know if there was something going on I wasn't aware of, but I just got a lot of applause. And man, I was like, well, I like what that is. And I must uh, be special. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I really chased that from sixth grade until I was 16 years old, um, just looking for that kind of popularity or whatever that that feeling was, you know, it was uh, kind of an addictive thing. And I wasn't up there on the stage speaking or anything, but I, I liked it. And it wasn't until I was 16 and really came to realize that I had an emptiness that nothing could fulfill, no matter what I had. Uh, and of course, you know, turned my life over to Jesus and, and things uh, dramatically changed that, that day for sure. So, um, all right. Well, talk to us a little bit about the book, Clearing Hurdles. I know you've probably touched on some of the things already, but when you talk about that book, are there some stories that maybe God would put on your heart to share with us today? Yeah, the it, the book really starts off from the, the uh, environment in which I was raised. My father left when I was three years old, and my mother married a very abusive man and his abuse and how it affected me. I was physically and sexually and mentally abused. Wow. Uh, in a very, very bad way for a, a lot of years of my life. And then, um, and so I go through the story of my childhood and then, uh, and then of my conversion and then what God did after that conversion. And then honestly, I was very vulnerable in, in my book about the things that I did struggle with that I've kind of honestly been very vulnerable with you today on this show. Yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, and, um, uh, and because I think in, in being vulnerable, you realize that uh, we're all the same. It, we all have sin nature. We all have things that we struggle with based on where God's put us. So I just walk through the book on 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 that. And then uh, some of the experience that he's brought me through, you know, um, everything from uh, the National Youth Eye Care Hotline to Motivational Productions, then to Overman Properties and all the, the projects that I've been involved with. Uh, being an elder at uh, at our church and ministering to people in that way. And it's just a series of, uh, we also, my wife and I all did marriage seminars and and uh, did parenting seminars. And so uh, talked a little bit about that. And so our position on marriage, uh, I've been married 43 years to an amazing woman uh, whom I'm just in love with to this day, more than I was the day I met her. And yeah. uh, so it's just a, it's a, it's a memoirs is what it is. It's, a, it's my memoirs. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, for somebody who is 
recovering or coming through trauma like you experienced at such a young age? I mean, some people would not come back from that. Some people would always run from God and be angry and amazing how God's love is and Jesus' love is. Can I ask you, how did Jesus and what did that healing process look like from that trauma? I mean, because uh, we've got all sorts of people that have trauma that may be surfacing, maybe coming up, and they're trying to deal with it. Man, what what do you do? What did God do for you in healing that trauma? You, you know, I, I've shared this with literally hundreds of thousands over the years with young people and stuff. Yeah. Do, is that forgiveness is the beginning of healing. And those who have abused you and who have hurt you is forgiving them, even if they themselves don't admit any wrongdoing. And that's all throughout our life. I mean, I don't even know you, Steve, but uh, beyond just a, a new relationship, friendship with you. But right. uh, I can tell you right now, every one of us have something in our life that we there's somebody we need to forgive. And uh, and for some very deep causes, deep, deep scars and some very light, but just still need to forgive. And forgiving, forgiving someone is the beginning of that. And they get it confused with forgiving and forgetting. And, uh, you know, you can forgive someone, but you can't erase things that have happened to you in your memory banks. Your cognitive aspect of your brain is going to always remember. It's just like a scar on your arm. It doesn't hurt anymore. But when you look down, you still see the scar on your arm. So it triggers a memory for you. Um, And so, you know, there are people in my life that I had to come to a point when I when I came to know Jesus, that I had to forgive them and so that I could heal. And I talked to, I don't just, I can't even tell you the number of young people that came up to me and their fathers were molesting them. Um, they, they had done horrible things. Uh, I, I, I remember a, a young girl came up to me one time and we stepped outside of the gymnasium just before, uh, right after I'd spoken, sorry. And she, shared something with me that I said, you understand, I have to share this with the police. And that was that her father Mm. was the mayor of the city and he was sexually abusing her. And Mm. she was petrified because she, that had, that had to come out. I had to buy, by law, I had to do that. And I, and I told her, I said, you know, as hard as this is, you, you've got to forgive your father at the end of all of this. And she wasn't ready at that time, but hopefully at some point in her life, she can say, that I forgive you if she herself walked was what came to know Christ and, and walked with him. What was um, your path of forgiveness? Was that something for you that when you felt the love and experienced Jesus grace and power that it just happened or did you have to no. work at it? Okay. So I went off to college, I got married and my wife saw that there were some real wounds inside of me. And so I was already married. So uh, when I was saved, I was 13. So I was married. I was, probably 22 years old, 23 years old and somewhere in there. And my stepfather, one of them had already passed. The other one passed. The one who did a lot of damage was still alive. And I said, we're going to go somewhere. And um, she got in the car with me and I drove over to his home. And I hated this man for the things that he did because they were horribly evil. Mm -hmm. And I walked up to his house and I knocked on the door. She was with me because I wanted her there with me. And he opened the door and I just broke down crying. Mm. And uh, I wanted at that time to turn and run and not do it. Right. But I said, I need to tell you something. And he said, come on in. I said, I, I don't need to come in, but I see, I need to tell you something. I forgive you for all of the things that you did to wow. me. Wow. 
And I said, I just want you to know that. And the reason I'm doing it is not because of me and because of my strength. I said, but it's because Christ is within me, is giving me the strength to come and tell you, I forgive you for what you did to me. And I turned around with my wife and we got in the car and we drove away. And that's quite honestly, it's a lesson in that you don't have to have a relationship and go back and, and create another new relationship with somebody. It's about the inward forgiveness for that person. And then to start praying for that person, yeah. that maybe they would find a, a new, be, become a new creature in Christ. Right. Was that the end of it? Did you ever hear from this uh, man again, or was that it? That, that, that was it. He still was a very evil man. Let me just say, okay. okay. I walked up to the door. He was still a very evil man and he died a very evil man. Okay. Um, and, but it was the end of my ever seeing him again. Right. So, right. Hard thing for people to do, Steve. Well, yeah. Was there, I mean, so it was your wife and it was the love of Christ that helped you to actually do it. I mean, that is so hard. It's so easy to hold on to the hurts. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, but it, it, it eats you alive more than it eats them alive. You know, when you have hate in your heart and unforgiveness in your heart, it's hard for you to be joyful and show the joy of the Lord in your life when you have, you have a bitterness within you. And it's it's like sour grapes. It just it's sour wine. You can't put, you know, new wine in an old wine, a wine sack. Right. Right. right yeah. And it just it, it doesn't work. So, uh, no, I'm not saying that it was easy. Remember, I told you when I walked up to the door, I wanted to turn and run away. Right. I was shaking. I, I was crying. Right. He was like totally just perplexed with it. And that's not the only person that I've had to do that in my life. But um, I can tell you that it. Uh, when people say, how do you get through those kinds of that kind of trauma? Uh, it's. You know, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me and it's through his strength. I would not have been able to do it without being a believer in Jesus. Yeah. And, and desiring to walk with him. I. I pray this every day, and I think I sent it to you in a text. Matter of fact, what do I expect? I pray this every day that what comes from my mouth, what comes from my heart, and what comes from my head will be pleasing unto you, O Lord. Mm-hmm. Every single day. You, yeah. You ask my wife, what do I pray? That's what I pray every yeah. day. And yeah. I don't accomplish that every day, Steve. <laughs> right. I, I got you. <laughs> I got you. Is there... Um... Just on forgiveness, is there any time that you've seen in your life that, man, there's somebody I need to forgive, but it's not something that I need to go to them. It's something that I just need to handle between me and God. Uh, is there situations like that for you? Well, there's people who have died and passed away, moved okay. away, that you don't have the opportunity to to get in front of them face to face. But there are, um, I I think that the most important thing, and I've always seen this in my reading of the scripture all the time, is that the, the Jesus is most concerned about my heart, not not did I do it a certain way. You know, he's not a legalistic Jesus, right? Right. Matter of fact, he hated legalism. Right. And I think what's in my heart is that have I truly forgiven? And also, saying you've forgiven somebody versus truly forgiving them are two different things. Yeah. And I find that to be... Um, a real soul searching uh, heart operation that everyone needs to undertake in order to only know themselves. Have I truly, or am I, have I said it, but yet I keep bringing up 
you know, what they've done and how they've done it and when they did it. And right. That's a usually a sign of there's still some forgiving left to, to take place. Right, right. Okay, that's good. And uh, I've taken more time than planned, but let's just talk, if it's okay, a little bit about in time of needs, how God put this on your heart. What is this? What's the vision that you're seeing right now? Yeah, thank you for asking about that. Um, You know, uh, I'm never surprised at how um, God takes each of us and asks us to do things that you just didn't think he would ask us to do. Um, Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I owned a an assisted living facility for about five years uh, in Garden Ridge, Texas called, it was called Graceland. Oh, and, cool. Um, so I, I've always loved the elderly and I love children. So I love children. I love, elder, I love every, everybody, but I mean, <laughs> I have a special love for young people and, and a love for elderly people. So it's always kind of been there. But um, a few years ago, a friend of mine, uh, I got a, a bad call that he um, from the physician's office that he had cancer and, and did not have long to live. Mm. I was, I lived in New Braunfels and um, he, he had been a friend for a long time. He called me to his house and he asked me, uh, he said, Tony, uh, I'm not going to be here much longer. I'm afraid for my wife. And she doesn't know a lot about business. She doesn't know what to do and how to handle things and finances. He said, would you help sell my business after I pass? Wow. Would you help guide my wife through the finances of her life? Now that sounds easy really for me just to say that real quickly and like, it's no big deal, but it was a big deal. Yeah. And, um, and so I loved him and I, I, you know, I uh, even went to him to some of his chemo treatments and stuff and it was hard to watch, but when it was all over with and he, and the Lord took him home, um, I, I did what he asked me to do. And I, I sold his business for him, for his wife actually. Uh, and it, it was just God was all in it. Everything we did, he, I, it's not like uh, I did anything. He literally uh, just opened the doors for me to do this for this beautiful uh, widow. And then uh, afterwards, you know, anything that she needed, I was there for her. So going forward to today, um, I also ran into some another woman who was uh, in charge of a widow ministry. And I, she's about uh, ministering to their hurts and their pains and, and counseling them. And as a man, I didn't think that's appropriate or advisable to do that. But I knew that there were practical, logical things in life that a woman is left with if a husband passes, wow. suddenly didn't have the opportunity to help her. And they just, they just have separate roles. And right. so that's where I saw the ministry going. And so in time of needs is to help widows with the practical things of life that, um, that we can help them with uh, along the way. Yeah, that's, that is really cool. That's a amazing story. So it was really birthed out of that experience of helping your friend out. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I was on a cruise, Steve, just uh, my wife and I went on a cruise just a couple of weeks ago. We were overseas on a cruise and I got a call on the cruise from a widow and she was crying upset about a real estate thing, her husband, she bought and she just needed guidance. And she was so grateful. Uh, People are there, seem to be for her, for her emotional needs, but nobody was guiding her with some of the practical things of life. And and God just has used us. And that's why I want him to continue to use us. The experiences that he's put me through to be able to help those in need. Yeah, that is really cool, Tony.
Thank that you. is really cool. All right. Um, I, I have taken more time than planned. Is there anything you just feel like God is putting on your heart to share with somebody that's listening, watching anything God's got for us? I, Steve, I, I pray that God blesses your ministry. What a, an awesome well, thing that he's led you to do. And uh, I, I've watched a few of your podcasts and some of your guests and wow, some amazing people that you've uh, had the opportunity to interview and and I can't imagine, uh, you know, what how that's touching life. So I pray God's blessings and growth on Very Bold. And uh, and thank you for just let, letting me share. Man, well, thank you, Tony. I really appreciate that. And I'm pointing the finger because you're just one more amazing person uh, that I get to talk to. Back um, at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I really Praise appreciate God. that. And, you know, I'll just I'll close out by saying this. Um, our common friend, Keith Leslie, um, God has used in my life in many ways. And back when he owned the Christian newspaper, The Beacon, he actually, he and I had a conversation and he said there was an opportunity to do a, a Beacon radio show. And and I said, Keith, I can do that. And so he got my start with um, radio. Uh, it's it's all Keith got, got me my start. And I, that brother's blessed me so much. He I'm having breakfast with him in the morning. <laughs> well, hey, he's a hard guy to get breakfast with, so that tells me yeah, that's that's great. Give him a big hug and and tell him thanks uh, for me. I, I thank him as often as I can, but that guy is just such a blessing in my life, and and uh, God has used that in many ways oh. to bless me certainly, and hopefully some other people as well. So that's awesome. Yeah, give All that right. guy a hug. I love Keith. Well, uh, Steve, thank you. God bless you. Yeah, thank you, Tony. Really appreciate this. And I'll just say this. Hang on, real quick. I'll to say this for people that are watching or listening we always sign off the same way just remembering that this is about Christ's love look at what Christ did in Tony's life I don't know what you've been through it's hard to imagine that it was something worse than what Tony went through and God brought brought him through made him a new creation and look at the impact that he's had on so many lives literally millions of lives and still is today it's incredible and I know if you haven't been listening closely that the reason that he's compelled to do so is not for his own glory. You've been listening. It's about the glory of Jesus Christ. It's about the hope of Jesus Christ that is real for you today. Now, the Apostle Paul, who we've been kind of paralleling with with Tony because we see some similarities, even though he's shaking his head, no, I get it. Uh, We see some similarities, though, and the Apostle Paul, he put it way better than I could, maybe even better than Tony could. I don't know. He said it this way, and it's why we're Very Bold Ministries, Very Bold Radio and Podcast, Very Bold Scrap, and we're very bold. We're trying to be very bold like the Apostle Paul and like Tony. Paul said it this way, 2 Corinthians 3, 12, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.